coming up in this episode. When we look at the threat reporting from ISIL, we know that there is a constant and persistent threat to the district. And it would give a terrorist organization no greater benefit than to attack the seat of power of the United States. That's the FBI's assistant director in charge of intelligence, Joshua School, back in January, warning that Washington was definitely on the radar of top terror groups all over the world. The Washington field office of the FBI told Target USA in early August, because of the significance of the nation's capital and the vast number of potential geographic and human targets, more trouble is likely coming. And the threats extend far beyond Washington's iconic places, deep into the fabric of the nation's capital, putting Washington's police force in a tough spot. And looking at the way the terrorist threat has evolved to where we are today, you just have to assume those threats are here and not wait for somebody to give you some sort of credible, validated threat assessment. And on this program, Police Chief Kathy Lanier talks about how the force is preparing for those threats on this week's edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Target USA is brought to you by... TrueCar. There's something about TrueCar a lot of people don't know. Using TrueCar can also help you buy a used car. In fact, more than 500,000 pre-owned vehicles are available from TrueCar certified dealers. Whether you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers discounts off the list price for used cars and a better buying experience through the TrueCar certified dealer network. You can see what other people paid for the car you want, so you will know what a fair price is and feel confident. TrueCar users save an average of $3,279 off MSRP. Over 2 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. There are more than 11,000 TrueCar Certified Dealers nationwide. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar.com or download the TrueCar app to enjoy a better car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. A very graphic situation. San Bernardino. Upwards of 14 people that are dead. We are now investigating these horrific acts as an act of terrorism. Paris. An attack on all of humanity. The Islamic State. I'm back, Obama. They I'm want back. you to imagine them in the shadows as something greater than they are. Hostile nation states. They can't inflict mortal damage to the United States. Cyber criminals. Decryption is successful. This is Target USA. America in the crosshairs. Whether it's anarchists, cyber criminals, nation states, or terrorists, America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. I'm walking along the National Mall. The National Park Service calls it America's front yard. It's loaded with historic monuments, American symbolism, and people from all across the country and the world. It's a magnet for people who want to see what Americana is all about and what it stands for. But unfortunately, it also attracts the attention of people who despise American culture and values. That includes terror organizations. The FBI says it has terrorism investigations open in every single one of its field offices across the country. 
So far, more than 100 people have been charged in connection with the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, ISIL or ISIS. Seven of those people were living right here in the national capital region. And all of those arrests here have taken place this year. Washington, D.C. Police Chief Kathy Lanier spent some time with us this week to break down just how serious the problem is. I've spent the last 16 years of my career focusing on the counterterrorism side of uh, policing and security for the nation's capital. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, uh, there's no place else that I would be focused on in terms of being uh, should be, what should be the most secure city in America. So it is an everyday ongoing process. It's not like counterterrorism for a major city, and particularly a major city like Washington, D.C., is something you educate yourself on or you do once. It is um, global perspective. It's constant change in strategy and tactics. It's constant um, interaction both locally, nationally, and quite often lately internationally to make sure that we are um, always trying to improve the level of safety here. Just it never stops. It's every day. Okay, so set the table for us then. What's the threat like here in Washington? So different types of threats uh, rise and fall, so to speak, and they change over time. Uh, so watching what is going on globally, watching trends, watching new emerging threats, all of those things um, kind of shape where in my head I feel we are in terms of vulnerabilities. We have a lot of strength in our technology, in our uh, training, in our capabilities, um, in dealing with different types of threats. So as I see new emerging threats um, very quickly getting uh, our department um, and our security posture up to speed on, on new threats is the, is the most critical part of that. So I think uh, in general I'd say we have one of the strongest, if not the strongest, counterterrorism position for a local police department along with our federal partners here. But it is, again, you know, the assessment of how vulnerable we are uh, can shift day by day and can shift with emerging threats. So what specifically are the threats Washington, D.C. is facing at this point? Assessing the threats, it's interesting the way that um, the threat for an attack, terrorism-related attack, has changed over time. Assessing the threat also changes. Um, Ten years ago, it was assessing information and chatter that was going on in multiple different streams from the intelligence community. and looking at what was known about specific or credible threats pertaining to our city or to the United States. The terrorist threat has changed now in that um, homegrown violent extremism, self-radicalization, these are different types of threats that are not going to come with a long lead time and all the warning signs and the tripwires. These are threats that um, you have to just make the assumption could be uh, brewing in your community at any given time. So we're not going to prepare for the today's threat of terrorism waiting for some chatter to increase or waiting for some obvious signs that are pre-operational surveillance or 
you know, all those things are still in play, but that's not how I assess the threat today. The threat today could be here, it could be someone in their own basement on the computer, uh, self-radicalizing that gives no outward trip wires for anybody to pick up on. So I assess that threat as you just assume it's here. It's very interesting you say that because I was talking with the Washington field office of the FBI recently and they said based on the geographic and human targets here in the national capital area, specifically Washington, it would be prudent to expect more arrests of people here in this area who sympathize with terror groups and terror organizations. So what's your view on that? I agree 100 percent. I mean, I, I, I have to think that, uh, again, in looking at the way the terrorist threat has evolved to where we are today, you just have to assume that certain places uh, at certain times are going to be much more vulnerable than any other time. You have to assume those threats are here and not wait for somebody to give you some sort of credible or um, you know, uh, validated threat assessment. You assume that they are here at all times and you just you have to be prepared for it. And that's the way I expect my police officers to feel. So how do you make sure that all of your officers is prepared from the very first day for this evolving problem of terrorism that seems to have no ceiling when they go out each day to work? You know, as a, a fine line, it's a, there's a balance between um, constant reinforcement and messaging and, um, and kind of oversaturation of a message. Um, I think officers here understand the level of threat we face because we are Washington, D.C. But it is important for me to make sure people remain on their toes by doing some periodic um, checks to make sure people are focusing on what they're supposed to focus on, are paying attention to what they should be paying attention to, are carrying you know, particular equipment with them and different, uh, responding to different calls in certain ways. So, so the balance is constant messaging, reinforcement of training, um, no notice spontaneous exercises uh, or drills to, to check their, their spontaneous response, um, just to make sure that everybody is staying focused and, and paying attention. We do it with regular policing to make sure officers are safe when they handle calls for service, uh, and there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing that on the counterterrorism side. So how did the last one go? How did your team perform? You know, it's there, I've never done an exercise or a either a planned or no-notice exercise where there wasn't something to learn. Um, it's, in, it's impossible to make an exercise, um, it's impossible to run an exercise or a training event without some feel of artificiality, right? So it's hard to, you can't, you can't weed that out. There's always going to be a little bit of a, a feeling of artificiality. But I think you can get a really, really good sense of the commitment and the confidence of your team and what it is that they have trained on in every exercise. That training paid off on September 16th, 2013, when the Washington Navy Yard shooter decided that was the day that he would unleash his wrath. Right now, and this is very, very preliminary, we have one MPD officer who was shot in engagement with the shooter inside of the Navy Yard. We have one shooter that we believed uh, involved in this that is deceased. Um, we also have 
Um, other casualties, I will not give uh, a confirmed number this to time. To see you know, tragedy and loss is one thing that's part of our job. We see it all the time. To see mass tragedy and loss, the Navy Yard, South Capitol Street. You know, the, so many uh, hearts broken, so, so many lives lost senselessly, so many people that, you know, their loved one didn't come home today. Those are the ones that, uh, that, are, that, are, that, are, that are the most troublesome. Lanier says the Navy Yard shooting was the low point of her tenure as chief of the Washington, D.C. Police Department. And she announced one week to the day after we sat down for our interview that she would be leaving the police department and going to the NFL to become the top security official there. And as she leaves, there are some things that trouble her. And coming up in our next episode. Was I surprised that this had moved to this level? No. Lanier reveals her concerns about the targeted police killings that have taken place in the U.S. and concerns about D.C. officers. The constant, um, you know, the constant coverage of negative images of police and negative images of police. Sooner or later, it was in the back of my mind that this was going to drive uh, more conflict and more threats for our police officers. No question. Wasn't surprising. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast.